Well, we're just waiting for the live stream to start broadcasting here. As soon as it does, we'll get going. There's always like three to four seconds of cursory IT setup. Okay, success. I love it. A walk of the situation report for 8-2. It's already August 2nd. Hard to believe. A lot going on today. Uh, waiting for Lieutenant Colonel Conrad to join the live stream. He should be here momentarily. I'm assuming it will be momentarily. But uh, it's not a, uh, it's definitely not a live stream without 30 minutes of cursory IT setup to get everything running. So, just a second here, we'll uh, we'll get going here. One second. Uh, sorry about that. So we're having technical difficulties. Can't get the camera to work again yet. Yet again, and it is what it is. But suffice it to say that uh, the Trump indictment is not shouldn't be a surprise to anybody, especially considering the fact that it happened on the day of testimony, and several people have called that out. In the information space, usually you do a distraction or distraction operations when you want to keep all eyes away from. The, the primary antidote is to your narrative. That's what you're seeing. And in the, the case of Iraq, the way the enemy did it was they would release CDs into the public of beheadings. And they may have, may or may not been real, but it spread fear throughout the entire population. That's what you're seeing here. You're also seeing the, the charges being slowly escalated up to sedition, which... It's not going to hold water because there's no evidence that shows that Trump committed sedition. But that said, the the judge that did the uh, well, the judge that's heard several several of the uh, case pleadings already is an Obama pick that's BLM friendly, et cetera, et cetera. The short answer is Trump's not going to get a fair shake in D.C. If the Durham case cases show you anything, it's that. DC is compromised by um, communists. And the whole, so this is what Obama did when he came to office. And it, and I could say you could go all the way back to, to Bush one, but key people were put in place when Obama was put in, installed in office. And then throughout his eight year term, he slowly and methodically replaced everybody in SES positions, in general officer positions, and key positions in the agencies. And case in point, here's a perfect example. Keith Alexander, who was the director of NSA when I was still when I was still in, his uh, either 535th or 525th, I can't remember the MI unit that was based there at Fort Meade. The commander of that unit was Jen Easterly when I was working at the ACERT. And Easterly went to CISA. 
and Keith Alexander sits on the, the board of Amazon. And Amazon is one of the primary contractors for the Central Intelligence Agency's big data processing. So that should tell you everything you need to know about the current state of affairs in DC. It's a very incestuous place. There's a ton of people there that are installed, um, for lack of a better word. And if it shows you anything, it's that Obama put the right people in place to set conditions for this communist takeover of DC. And then at the same time, you have oligarchs that are funding key people, and then you have the elite in DC funding key people in all of the swing states, as well as key positions in all of the swing states. And then there's a few red states that are still somewhat sovereign, but for the most part, they've compromised all the states. And why I'm going down this path is today in Illinois, they just approved non-American citizens to be police officers. I want you to take that in for a minute, because if you read Pawns in the Game, if you've read the Communist Manifesto, and you've, you've read the Communist Playbook, you're going to see that one of those key steps is to install terrorists in the form of police officers and to institutionalize crime and terror. That's what's coming next, at least in Illinois. And they want to slowly burn, slow roll this out just like they want to slow roll the economy. I don't think it's going to get that far. I still I still think things are going to be resolved in 23. I, I there's too many there's too many variables right now that could blow up at any one time for them to to maintain this level of malfeasance. And again, I don't know what the catalyst is going to be, but just like the shot heard around the world, it will be one key action that will galvanize the American public it's coming. On the other side of the fence, if you listen to my last sit rep, I talked about the disclosures around Obama and the disclosures around the Bidens. They're getting ready to shift leadership in DC. Whoever they install is not going to be good for us. That's just a part of the a, a part of the situation. And we're not going to be able to influence that. There's no amount of you know, saber rattling that's going to make anybody in D.C. listen to the average citizens, as well as at the same time that's going on and they're installing new leader, be looking, be watching for gun laws to be slipped into either defense authorizations into the, the next um, Ukraine bill. They're going to slip in gun control somewhere in there, especially now that the 80 percent lower rule has been overturned in the Supreme Court. The next one that will be overturned is the pistol base brace ban. And the, the, the pistol brace ban was set up by the ATF. Now, if you understand how the agencies are supposed to work, Congress delegates authority for enforcement. They don't delegate and cannot delegate their ability to legislate, which is what's happened with the pistol brace ban. The, the ATF arbitrarily decided the pistol braces were bad. And the whole point of it was to get rid of um, short barrel rifles. If you don't know what a pistol brace is, it's basically a brace that keeps keeps your arm, um, it's supposed to go wrap, wrap around your arm so you can fire a 5.56 or a 308 with one hand. <laughs> Good luck trying to do that with a 308, but suffice it to say, 
the braces were out there. The ATF put the ban in place. Now they want everybody to register their their pistol braced or you know 14 and a half inch or or shorter barrels as a short as a short barrel rifle or an SBR. Why that's significant is if you go back to prior to World War II when the Nazis disarmed the German public, they had everybody register their weapons, then they confiscated the weapons. Started to see the pattern. That's that's the game here. They're doing exactly what they did before. So the the there's a number of uh, pieces to this that are all fall into place, but suffice it to say that this is going to be a long protracted um, and arduous fight ahead of us. And the reason why it's important is that everything they're putting in place now is gonna have to be unwound in some way, shape or form. All the legislation, all the, all the regulations, especially the EPA and the FDA, what they're doing to cattle. You have oligarchs right now, specifically Bill Gates and a few others, running around the country trying to convince the Cattlemen's Association or cattle associations across the country to accept mRNA vaccines instead of the regular battery of vaccines that they've been given to cattle forever. And that's in addition to the FDA twisting their arms to accept these new mRNA vaccines. All of this is happening concurrently, all at the same time. So everybody's having an issue with the live stream. Is it's is the uh, the issue with the live stream still occurring? Is it still dropping off? It could be the connection between the software I'm using, Steamyard and uh, and Rumble. That's been happening all day. Anyway, long story short, all this is happening concurrently. For whatever reason, you're seeing this accelerated timeline that keeps getting more and more accelerated. My guess is, number one, that they see the, the situation in Ukraine deteriorating, deteriorating on the ground. You also see that the economic situation is deteriorating as well. And what it tells me is that there's probably something, some kind of more disclosure that's in Ukraine that we don't know about yet, that's probably going to show up fairly soon. And by the way, I got a bunch of questions before the live chat. Once uh, Lieutenant Colonel Conrad jumps on, we'll, uh, we'll answer those questions. He's getting set up. He's got a pretty hefty commute, so bear with me as we get him in. The, the other piece that's interesting this week, and it's, I'm not sure very many people saw it, but there was an article yesterday, and I, I pushed it to the main channel this morning, that there was a test run of a superconductor that was supposedly successful. It was on Disclosure TV, Disclosed TV. And what's interesting is there's, there's a bunch of controversy around it. But if they get supercomputing and superconductors, that means that computing as we know it will shift exponentially. That is a tectonic shift in the speed, the size, et cetera. Now you still have to have the hardware to be able to process that much data. But that said, that ability to process that quickly will revolutionize everything on this planet. Now, do I consider this to be disclosure? No, I consider this to be 
normal research that probably they got lucky a couple of times and they've replicated it once. But until we get this, until we see this repeated and and they're able to document this in a in a formatted way that's aligns with the scientific method and the scientific community signs up for it, then we'll see the shift. But then you got to build the production capability, et cetera, et cetera. But this is part of that that shift now that's happening from a technical perspective. And where where this shows up and why this is important is that there's a point where the control measures that they have right now will be ineffective if the technology outpaces those control measures. And get away from AI, because AI is a whole separate conversation. Look at it from the aspect that if they get this technology and they perfect this technology, things will start to move faster and faster and faster. Think about when the first computers came out. Those first computers was an 8086 chip. You know, you had the Commodore 64, which was literally a 64-bit computer with maybe 64, uh, you know, 256 megabit or 256 bits of memory. I mean, they were really rudimentary. I'm like my first computer, and I'm dating myself, was a 386, 25 megahertz processor with four megs of RAM. That was it. And it had like a, I don't know, a 40 or 50 gig hard drive or a 50 meg hard drive. It was tiny compared to what you have on your phone with 256 uh, gigabytes. That's that's a supercomputer compared to what original computers were. And that said, look at how fast things progressed over a 10-year period. Over a 10-year period, we went from one processor to quad-core to eight-core to 16-core, et cetera, et cetera. And all of that progressed through the market. It didn't progress because of the government. And... The same thing will happen here. Once supercomputing comes online, supercomputers come online, you're going to see a lot of, and this is, a, again, unintended consequences. There's going to be a number of different breakthroughs that happen in different parts of the scientific community, different parts of the, the business community that will lead humanity in a different way beyond their control. And it, it's amazing how fast that happens. It's also amazing to see just how many people are um, wrapped up in the day-to-day -day of what's going on in DC. I'm seeing a lot of traffic um, about, you know, these congressional hearings about impeachment. Let's just, let's just get this out. They're not going to impeach Biden. If they do, I'll be highly surprised because they haven't made any overtures like they do with Trump. When they, when they said they were going to impeach Trump, they did it shortly thereafter and tried to, Went, went to the hearing. And here we're talking about the fact that they're, they have enough information right now just on Biden, just on his abuse of power to put him away for sedition, treason, money laundering, child trafficking, and a host of other crimes. But the biggest one is treason for selling secrets. And they got him on tape for coercing people and using this position and peddling power. All of that slam dunk, especially for treason. The, the bottom line is, if they were going to remove him, they would have done it already. Maybe they're planning on doing it in September. We'll see. I, I, I'm going to believe it when I see it.
But suffice it to say, it is what it is. All right, let me add uh, Lieutenant Colonel Conrad to the uh, to the stream here. Colonel Conrad, are you there? Hey, Steve, do you have me? I do. Got you loud and clear. All right. Sorry, I was running behind a little bit. No worries. So, welcome to the show. And uh, I was just talking about the the whole Biden removal and supercomputers. I'm talking through some of the other topics I wanted to get to. Um, I wanted to start off with you talking about um, the uh, Capitol Police being positioned in all these different cities. Get your thoughts on that, and then we'll start from there. What do you think? Well, you know, yes, you always ask the question, is this signal, is this noise? I think this is signal that will be lost on a lot of people, and here's why. It was a book written a couple of years ago by David Horowitz called, I believe it was called The Shadow Party. I think it's one we should probably add to the, you know, should read list. And it it really described in detail how George Soros, Hillary Clinton, the Obamas, etc. Uh, all of these people have been working behind the scenes, not just recently, but for literally three and a half going on four decades. They have been sowing infrastructure, uh, not just at the federal level, but very much at the state, at the county and local levels. Now, this, this dovetails right into the comments that you always preach, and that is uh, sphere of influence, line of sight. We, we need to make sure we've got things, you know, taken care of in our own, in our own uh, proximity. And so they have expanded throughout the country, and this is why they've been so successful. They've set up all kinds of organizations, uh, non-governmental, governmental, and otherwise, They've infiltrated all kinds of agendas into and, and um, into local institutions, organizations, etc. And so, this is one more attempt by the deep state to expand their sphere of influence into our communities. And uh, this this really will likely be lost on a lot of people, but it shouldn't be. So, let's ask ourselves a logical question. What's the purpose of this? Well, ostensibly, they would say, we're hearing increased chatter, increased volume in indicators telling us there's, there's more and more uh, discussion going on amongst you know, right-wing, radical, conservative, Christian types, things like that. So why is it they want to be, for example, in Texas, I think is the, the latest place they're looking to expand to? Well just like every other federal organization. Um, you've got the FBI, you've got, you know, sheriffs, or excuse me, uh, the FBI, you've got federal marshals, you've got any number of federal level organizations, Secret Service, right on down the list, have offices in, in virtually every state. They want to get into that action. They want to have that kind of influence. Um, there's no need for it. There's already plenty of, of federal level law enforcement infrastructure if there is a genuine threat, which I think we all know we're, we're not the threat, we're the solution. Um, and so they're just, they're just looking for an excuse to uh, get their foot in the door and gain greater and greater uh, influence, greater interoper interoperability, and, and make themselves more of a player. I think it's bigger than that, Dave. I, I think it's bigger than that. This is this is classic. You know, they're building the Stasi is what they're doing. 
the yeah. building, the GRU. And the the Capitol Police have no jurisdiction outside of, of D.C. And they shouldn't <laughs> have any jurisdiction inside of D.C., only in the Capitol buildings. And the fact that they're using this, this increased threat to the Senate and to the legislature as a as a you know BS excuse to expand their precincts. This is this is step one. Step two will be recruiting all these you know all these military age males they're bringing in from overseas who aren't loyal to the Constitution. You know that's coming next. I mean, Chicago or Illinois today just said that they're going to allow non-U.S. citizens to to become police officers. You know exactly where that goes. That goes into you know, terrorists becoming police and then the, the reign of terror starting in every American city that they'll allow that in. That, that's that's the next, to me, that's the next order of battle. Well, it does make things a lot more difficult when you can't tell the good guys from the bad guys, right? So, yeah, I, I agree with everything you just said. I'm not sure, I, I'm not sure that they're going to have a connection with the, uh, they may, maybe I'm wrong, but when we talk about, for example, Chinese military-age males, I would tend to think they're taking their marching orders elsewhere, not from Nancy Pelosi or somebody in the U.S. Capitol. Well, who's uh, to say that that's not the that's not the end state they're trying to reach anyway? I mean, think about all the Chinese police stations that they've opened in the U.S. that the U.S. Sub, the U.S. public never even knew about until it showed up in the news. And my guess is they've probably been in the U.S. monitoring Chinese citizens. For a decade, at least since Obama's been in town, probably before. So it would stand to reason that they wouldn't be taking their marching orders from somebody in the Congress. It would be somebody they delegate to that's probably not a U.S. national, probably a terrorist. Well, I was referring to your comment about recruiting specifically. But, uh, you know, I do agree when you take you take a look at the outreach of these people, um, it, it's almost like we're inundated with with different uh lines of effort from our enemies and uh you know whether you look in health sciences and how we're potentially being poisoned or you know exposed to various toxins uh glyphosate in just about everything we eat and drink uh or whether you look to law enforcement or uh local governance etc it's it's we're you know we're under stress from multiple directions no doubt about that yeah the question is and this is the part that i haven't been able to piece together yet you know is what's going to be the catalyst for this to go kinetic because at some point one of these lines of effort is going to be tripped up i i there's too there's too many moving pieces for it not to get tripped up somewhere and when it does the question is what does that look like? And more importantly, where does that develop? And I think it's going to develop in one of the one of the blue states before it develops in a red state. Because there's, I mean, just cursory trip to to Washington State. There's so much vitriol in Seattle. It is amazing. You can feel it. It's palpable when you drive down the freeway. People are angry on the freeway. Traffic's terrible. Downtown's terrible. I mean, it's it's literally a powder keg, and you can just feel it. It's amazing. I've never experienced anything like it, not even in Iraq, not even in 04 in Iraq when we did the transition to power. You could, you could feel the sense 
of uncertainty in the Iraqis. But that pales in comparison to what I've what I experienced this weekend in Seattle. I mean, literally everywhere you went, everybody's on edge. Like they know something's coming. And, you know, maybe it's a black swan, maybe it's not. I, I think that all this is being funneled into a culmination point. So it's all happening at the same time. Well, I agree with that. Um, you know, I think what you're referring to, this this sense of increasing intensity is something that's happening on both sides. I see people, you know, pro-Trump people as well as anti-Trump people feeling those kinds of things, talking about those kinds of things. And uh, I was sitting in a physician's office the other day and, you know, he said to me, he said, you know, I work on the other side of the city in, in a satellite office sometimes. And I can tell you there's there's a ton of Democrats over there and they are but they're lifelong Democrats. But every one of them voted for Trump. They are MAGA people. And uh, he said, so you're not going to convince me the elections weren't rigged or things like that. And I said, no, I, I told you're preaching to the choir, pal. I totally agree. But there's people getting more and more. Uh, wound up. I think a lot of people are nervous about the financial situation. We've seen problems with some of these banking institutions and uh, people are starting to talk about that. But but to go to the heart of the question you just asked a moment ago, you said, what's going to be the trigger? What's going to drive this? So I'm quite convinced, and, and I'll refer back to that book, The Shadow Party, uh, these people leave very little to chance. They work and plan and work and plan. They don't succeed um, by happenstance. They succeed by design. And so I'm quite sure that they have a timeline laid out with a number of checkpoints or, or gateways, so to speak. And, uh, and they're going to get to some of these decision points. And some of this will be event-driven. Um, you know, some of that may be reflected with, okay, do they find some spaghetti that sticks on the wall and they somehow get Trump off the ticket because an indictment turns successful for them? Or on the other hand, uh, does Trump skirt through there, does get on the ticket? So, you know, they're going to have to, they're going to have to take different steps in either direction. Oh, I think uh, they're going to not only, I, I, they're going to convict Trump of something. They're going to, they're going to find a way to convict him. He won't, he won't serve any jail time, but the whole intent is to get him off the ticket. Exactly. And, and viewing how compromised DC is, that's just a foregone conclusion. I, I don't think, I would have thought that Carrie Lake losing in 2022 would have brought people out of their houses, but it was a whimper. So I, I think, and, and I think two things. So I think the thing that you're discounting, you're right. They they don't leave anything to chance. They methodically plan. They have AI. They have algorithms they use. They have all the tools necessary as well as all of the computing power necessary at their fingertips to be able to create these elaborate plans. But the one thing that I think they've discounted that's going to be the bane of their existence pretty shortly is the fact they've overestimated the amount of pissed off Marines there are in this country because you're seeing you're seeing two kinds of and you're right democrats are moving from the left to the center and more to the right but that's more out of they see something wrong but then you have this portion of the society right now that is 
they they're disenfranchised because they know that the the voting system is completely compromised. They know that their state legislatures are completely compromised. They know that the mainstream media is lying to them, and there's this this vitriol. And I, having having planned complex ops and knowing just how hard it is to execute complex operations, especially complex information operations in conjunction with kinetic operations and psychological operations, how incredibly complex that is to tie all three of those together and have, you know, not have fratricide, not have conflicting narratives, have, you know, not um, leverage the same, the same mediums and, and destroy the messaging. But um, look at Fallujah. Fallujah was, was a case study in how to do psychological operations, information operations, as well as kinetic operations. And I would say that it was done marginal. It wasn't done highly successful. One, we messaged the enemy too much that we were coming in. Two, we gave them too much time to prepare. And three, we had overlapping fields of fire when it came to information. And it drowned out the message that, you know, we're coming in and you're leaving for good. We're not giving up the terrain. And that was the message that we were trying to send from the very start. So where I'm, where I'm going with that is you're going to have some pissed off Marine that's in some city that's disenfranchised, that's either accosted by the police, arrested by the police, whatever the case may be. And that one case is already happening in New York. Now, the next one that happens, I think you're going to see a backlash from the American public. And when you do, That'll throw their plans into disarray. And maybe they won't. Maybe they've planned meticulously to the point where um, they won't be disrupted. But I can't help but think that we'll get a vote in all of this and how that vote develops. At least well, my, well, two, I was, my two cents. Well, you know, you hit on something there. Um, first of all, you know, when, when we take a look as intelligence officers, what's one of the first things we tend to do? We tend to array all of the the capabilities, all of the weapons, all of the assets that the enemy brings to the table, right? And he's our enemy is formidable, not just in terms of uh, experience um, and infiltration into various institutions, but um, you know you've got elements like Antifa, uh, and I think you're right. Some of these areas um, like Seattle and any number of blue state strongholds could very well be the place where we see things foment and develop and uh, as an initiation point. Um, they can certainly control it better. But you've got Black Lives Matter, you've got Antifa, you've got various other groups that, that they control. Then you've got the non-state actors, you've got other state actors, potentially, like, uh, you know, how many Islamists have come across the border in the last 20 years um, you know, with one faction there, how many Chinese military age males have come across the border? You know, the number you hear parried about is bandied about is about 400,000. Um, what concerns me is when I have friends who have access to good, uh, you know, border crossing, uh, information telling me that some of these folks are coming, coming through in teams in, in obviously, you know, trained, organized teams. Um, that doesn't bode well for us, but nonetheless, there's a lot of different, uh, a lot of different capabilities that they bring to the table. And I still think from a triggering mechanism, um, 
it's not just a matter of what happens, whether it's some pissed off Marine, you know, something like that may happen. The, the downside is they're pretty good counter punchers. And so something like that may happen, generate a spark on the, on the right side, but don't think for a second that they won't be anticipating countering that with something from the left side. And, and so, you know, you often talk about second and third order effects quite, uh, quite appropriately. I think that's something that we need to keep our eye on. And it's probably not unreasonable to sort of start, you know, thinking like, how would we war game this out? How is this going to unfold? What are the possibilities? And what are the potential major courses of action that the threat's going to take? We need to look at that because in any kind of preparation, it's not just a matter of, of personal preparation, but, you know, thinking to the next, you know, the next uh, terrain contour, thinking, you know, beyond what's, what's right within arm's reach, so to speak, because we may, we may need, uh, we may need to react to things that, that we're just not thinking of right now. And we need to, we need to start considering some of the greater capabilities. Look at the use of drones that we're seeing overseas. Have you thought about what drones could be doing in our country? Not well, just in not, not what they could be doing, Dave. It's what they are doing. Yeah. I assume we got UAVs over our head all the time. Especially, well, not just know. in not just intel gathering. I'm talking about kinetics. Oh, I know. I, I, I'm you not. Know? I'm not there yet. I'm. I'm more at. They're already using drones. They're already using UAVs over our heads right now. Just to monitor monitor the public, they probably got a key, to, you know, high value target. You know how it is. The yeah. first thing you do is you assess the enemy center of gravity to figure out what's their, you know, key strength and weakness, and then how do you exploit that 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 weakness, and what's the best avenue of approach so that you can deal them and disrupt their operations. And it's no different here. They've probably got a high value target list of quote unquote patriots that are that are you know high value targets for them that are probably. Um, being monitored 24-7, along with the fact that they're probably following or at least infiltrated most of the groups that are at least in the public eye right now. And that's just that's just on the Patriot side. And if we start looking at some of the other, um, let's just say, potential avenues of approach, they probably have those covered too. And, you know, the, everybody thinks kinetic. That, that's the problem. Everybody thinks that, you know, gunfire is going to solve everything. This is the information war we're in. Here's a case in point. How do you counter all of these grocery stores putting in facial recognition right now? The grocery store a mile away from my house just put in locking gates as you walk into the store. The next step is to put in facial recognition. Amazon's putting in facial recognition and palm readers. That you can't solve. You don't solve that with kinetic. That has to be a mass non-compliance and it has to be nationwide but even then you know that's just one piece right controlling the food supply through access through access management if you look at it from the perspective of from supply chain management and access management now you can see how that situation just got more complex but more importantly they've already got probably three of the four bases covered for controlling food into the store and out of the store. And that's just one aspect. Kinetic is not going to solve that. I mean, how many you can put bullets down range and kill all the grocery clerks, but what's that going to do? It's just going to it's just going to close one store. If you shut down, if you shut down the supply chain, then guess what? Millions of people starve to death. 
there's they've they've covered the aspects when it comes to control of the system, right? So I'm looking at this from the perspective of how to, what's their center of gravity that we can disrupt in a peaceful way that's going to completely throw off their plans. And I, I think part of it is the alternative media. We're already seeing that, right? And that has to grow even bigger. And then what what's the counter when they turn off the internet and turn off alternative media? Because that information flow is the lifeblood for just about everybody in the truth community that's not listening to the mainstream media. They would love to drive this back to the mainstream media and control everything we see. And that was the one thing that we learned in Iraq the hard way. No matter how many, how many ways we shut things off, they would find a way around it. You saw, we're seeing that in Iran. We're seeing that in North Korea. We're seeing that in other countries that have been locked down. That we're, they're able to exfiltrate data or information out, right? And, and that has to be in our planning, right? And I don't see anybody planning for that, but I'm sure they've got that covered too. Well, we we used to, we used to call those uh, rat lines. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, <laughs> you're making me laugh because I could think of sitting there in the talk, watching uh, you know over an imagery of of just that people literally probing wire, looking for different ways around different uh, obstacle belts that we had set up, trying to control traffic flow and 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 whatnot. Um, no, you're right. The uh, you know whether we talk about the number of capabilities and assets they have. Um, again, in my opinion, this still goes back to there is a set script, which they know is not written in stone. They're going to observe certain milestones to the best of their ability. They're going to push certain things happening. Um, you know, when you talk kinetics, I think, I think you make a good point. Uh, one of the ways I could see this unfolding is that they take care of their talking points. They take care of, of the things they're doing in a non-kinetic way to influence people. And then they start to slowly uh, tighten the strings and squeeze the noose. And then people don't know how to react to that. And, um, and when we try to answer in kind, especially if you cannot communicate with other groups or things are too difficult to organize, um people grow to a point of frustration and then ultimately desperation and that's where you start to see people uh you know entering the kinetic phase not by design but in, in a haphazard way unfortunately oh and, that'll grow that'll grow functionally versus or organically versus functionally you're right that'll be an organic um outgrowth of of the tightening controls i you know i can't help but think that their, their plan takes us into 26 for all these control mechanisms because it's just, there's a lot of infrastructure in place right now because of COVID. They use COVID to bring in all of these um, different cell sites, 5G, high-speed internet to a lot of places. They, they brought in um, cameras and monitoring systems into most of the major cities, especially blue cities. I mean, everywhere in Seattle, there's cameras everywhere. And they, they did the same, and, and Europe was the test bed for it, right? All the control stuff they put into Europe, they put huge dollars into all these mechanisms. But here in the U.S., where they're going to have trouble rolling this out is going to be all the rural areas, right? Once you get outside the big cities, which is why I, part of what I'm struggling with to to figure out what their game plan is, is the fact that the, the big cities are the worst, you know, if you just go with a just the sheer crime um, metrics, 
the crime rates have spiked in almost every major city. And if you're trying to build 15 minute cities, that's not how you entice people to come into the city. Right. Right. And if they're going after just straight communist, the, the communist terrorist model where they bring terror into all the cities and they, they drive martial law. Okay. I can see that, but you still have to deal with the rural areas and maybe you just starve them out. But the hard part in that is we have so much growing capacity in this country outside of commercial farms that we don't need grocery stores. And if, when people get ginned up to grow their own gardens, if this is say one in every four, four people in this country grew a garden, that's like 70, 80 million people growing food that would eliminate most of the grocery sector in one year. If that, if that comes to pass, which means they would have completely lost control of the supply chain at that point, even with the seeds, because people are, people are, you're seeing more and more people um, harvesting and um, cultivating their own seed versus going to buy store-bought seed. And if that continues too, then you're going to see that business fold up too. And why it's important is you would think that in their planning, they would have considered all these aspects, but it seems like they just, they're trying to rush through all these plans to get there by the end of 23. And, and that's why I say it's going to, they're going to trip up somewhere because there's, there's, you know how it is when you, when you, I mean, let's just passage of lines. You, you, that's the hardest thing for any maneuver commander and maneuver unit to do is passage of lines because it's a lot of chaos, usually done at night, got a lot of moving parts. It's very complex. And you got a lot of people that either get partial communication, no communication, and then you're doing all this movement all at once. It's a very complex operation. Same applies here. It's a very complex operation to keep all these these moving parts moving moving together. And yeah, they have key people in key positions, but I can't help but think that we still there's still some good people in some key positions that could disrupt their their operations at key moments, and they wouldn't even realize it was going on. Call me crazy, but I I I you know if I was to distill it down to just say it very simply, I'd say God has a vote in this too, and he's not going to let them be successful. Well, I would certainly like to think so. Um, and I do have faith in that, that ultimately, you know, good will prevail. Um, you know, it's a funny thing when I think back historically, I, I remember, I laugh about this when I think, think to learning this, um, it, when the Boston massacre happened, 250 years ago um that etching that that uh that that sculpt that uh, lithograph whatever it was um that paul that paul revere had done to depict the boston massacre that was actually done prior to the event which made me think hmm okay you think these people didn't understand you know, shaping operations and influencing operations, they certainly did, right? Oh, absolutely. Information and, warfare has been around and, for a long time. And so, yeah, I mean, it's like we read about in Pawns in the Game. You know, you look at the, the downfall of uh, the monarchy in France, all of that, fifth-generation warfare. People talk about fifth-generation warfare like it's something new. It's not new. It's 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 the same game, different, uh, different labels being applied. But... Uh, you know, people have understood these concepts for for centuries and applied them successfully.
you know, the question is, are, are we stuck in a mousetrap that we can't get out of? And, and what can we do about it? You know, on the one hand, you hear people think, well, the deep state, their their backs against the wall. This is their dying gasps and things like this. And then I look at other things and I think, hmm, not so sure about that. I think I think things are are not nearly so well determined. I think things could go either way. And um, you know, I'm always curious as to what motivates people. And that's that's one of the things I have a tough time personally getting over is how do they co-opt so many people? And of course, we both know it's, you know, sometimes it's bribery, sometimes it's leverage, sometimes it's out and out blackmail. Um, they've got a multitude of ways of doing it and running their own influence operations. But we've got to, uh, we've got to be more successful countering this. You know, I was thinking about this the other day, you talk about um, the media, right? Statistically speaking, every journalism program in universities across this nation is rife with left-wing progressive individuals. That is, there is statistically speaking, I'm not saying there's not one or two individuals conservative, but statistically speaking, there is virtually zero conservatism in the journalism uh, programs in, in graduate schools and so on. And I thought, you know, one of the issues in such an event would be taking over just, just like a communist revolution going in, literally physically taking over a studio how many people among us have the skills to understand how that technology works and to get it out there's plenty of people that know how to lock and load an m16 there's there's but there's there's lots of skill sets that we should be looking at and thinking about okay what would really be necessary here um you know there's you're always going to have critical needs like medical and things like that, uh, where you don't just gain a skill set overnight. Those things take years of, of study, years of uh, skill development. But, um, you know, how are we going to crack this nut when it comes to uh, getting our voice out there and getting the upper hand in terms of information control? Take a look at the Ukraine versus Russia scenario. We've seen unprecedented levels of sophistication in terms of video imaging, um, influence operations using, you know, everything from footage taken out of drones to um, digital editing. It's at the point where you literally don't know what is truth and what is fiction. And, um, you know, we've, we've, got to, we've got to think ahead about some of these things and how we tackle them, not just the kinetic side. Um, you know, so uh, I'm with you. This is this is complexity upon complexity. Yeah. Uh, Did you ever read the book Complexity? Because it, it outlines pretty much what you were just saying. That yeah. all these complex systems and and all these these. I mean, you got to give the you got to give the elite credit because yep. they have um, they've infiltrated every institution in our society and created these sub channels and these these um, sub bureaucracies within the main bureaucracies that really do all the work and that the, they've leveraged people's apathy and people's laziness to very very high effect especially in the federal government you know you you touched on the fact that they don't need 
everybody. They just need key people, and then they know that people are going to fall in line with the the rank structure and the hierarchy. Again, they're 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 betting on people's apathy and laziness, and it's worked on to to very very good effect. But there's going to be a point where that doesn't just like the just like the fear. There'll be a point where the fear doesn't have the same effect that it's always had, and the confusion doesn't have the same effect. And that's when people are starving, or the kids are starving, or more or worse, their kids are hurt, or you know, um, are not able to get medical treatment for whatever reason. Then you'll see that meltdown, and the fear will go away. Because when you have nothing to lose, they they want to drive us into just like cattle, right? They want to herd us into the corral, and and get us all to sign up for the control grid without us really realizing it. You and I are already fucked, right? We already have, we already have our DNA. We already have our our dossiers. We already have all of our information, all in this in the federal system from our military service. So we're screwed anyway, right? Right. But the average citizen, it's not on the grid. They they've got a little bit more leeway to go around it. But you know, facial recognition at the airport now, here in Phoenix. They didn't have it in Seattle, but they have it here. They want everybody just to get used to it and assume that that's the way things are supposed to be. And, you know, one of the things that that I think people are going to realize is that, especially when it comes to food, when they have to start redoing palm readers to go into a grocery store, you're going to see people lose their shit over that. Because for 150 years, that was never the case. And now all of a sudden they're putting in barricades to walk into the store. I, I literally, when I walked in the store last night, I literally, I looked at the manager was standing right there and I looked at him and I said, what the fuck is this? Just like, I didn't even, it didn't even like, I could not stop myself. You know how it is when you're a parent, right? Mm. You, your kids do something and you cannot stop yourself. Your parents come right out of your mouth. That was literally <laughs> What happened last night? I looked at this guy and said, what the fuck is this? This is unnecessary. And he looked at me and just shrugged his shoulders. I go, that's the problem right there. Nobody's asking the question, why are we doing this? Because I live in a low crime area, you know, and they're trying to get us to just, just slow walk right into this. And I, I, I'm a, I firmly believe that there's going to be an event that trips them up and starts things in, in, in starts the catalyst in the other direction. Because I look at alternative media and the effect that that's had on the narrative and the effect it's had on the cultural narrative. Do you honestly think that Elon Musk wanted to buy Twitter? Twitter was a train wreck. The only reason Musk got Twitter was somebody probably said to him in the back room, you know, you could have your you could have your dream of x.com and WeChat and we'll fund it and we'll make it look like it's all you. We'll make you out to be the rock star and we'll make you out to be the, the hero. All you have to do is go be the face of this. I can absolutely see that psychopath signing up for that. Because what's the thing he likes the best? The extracality. He loves the notoriety. He loves that. That's he thrives on that. And so you play to his emotions, and guess what? Now you're trying to take back the cultural narrative. But the thing that tripped them up is they waited too long to put him in front of Twitter 
to take it back. Because by the time we got to 2021, I think I think Jack Dorsey was hiding because he knew if he stuck his head up, there'd be a bullet in his head. And I still think that because the guy's been MIA since he left Twitter. <laughs> I'm serious. And I'm not being facetious. It's it's a it's it's literally the way things developed, right? And then you look at the the impact it had on the Ukraine, the whole nuke plant, um, that whole scenario. Look at how much effect, second and third order effects especially, came out of that whole narrative. They pitched that narrative and pumped that narrative for almost two months. And the Russians played into it, and they they set up the cameras 24-7 and broadcast them to the Internet because of alternative media. And that, that to me, is where they're tripped up already. And I don't think they know how to get the narrative back. All their algorithms, all their AI – doesn't give them the secret sauce to say this is how you get it back, and it's because the trust is gone now, right? There's a there's an aspect of this, like in any operation, especially in information operation, you have to build credibility, and if you don't have credibility, you're done. Well, Steve, let's let's do something that intelligence officers are trained to do. Let's spin the table 180 degrees and look at this from a different direction. If you go back, now I'm, I'm a original Star Trek show aficionado so let's go back to the episode mirror mirror where spock is standing there holding a phaser on kirk and they've, they've switched to the alternative universe the evil federation spock with a goatee all of that kirk challenges spock and spock re responds with a comment which is a truism spock says conquest is easy control is not and he talks about the inevitable downfall of the empire so let's look at this from the opposite perspective you know i can remember aoc screaming into the microphone hollering at, at president elect quote unquote joe biden as well as nancy pelosi on january 6th that recording um you know some people thought she was hamming it up for the camera i'm not so sure but you know some of the comments she made were like you know, do you know what these people are going to do to us if they find out what we've been doing? I mean, she was acting like she was scared witless. Control is not so easy. We can have cameras everywhere, but you've got to have enforcement. And one of the challenges becomes, okay, there's only so many police officers. There's only so many people in authoritarian position. We've got the numbers and we need to think, we need to think about how to leverage that. We need to think about taking advantage of that because, you know, I can recall having a discussion with a friend who uh, runs a gun shop and is, is, you know, good friends, shooting buddies with a local county sheriff. And I said, you know, if if there's an edict from on high to start confiscating weapons, do you think that'll happen? And he said, not in this county. I said, why do you say that? He said, well, very simple. We have a sheriff who's smart enough to realize he only has X number of police officers and deputies, and they would get scarce pretty quickly because by the third time, you know, they conduct a raid, people will be ready. Um, so, I, dude, I'm still back at Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still, I'm still back there. Like, you, you quoted an absolute episode from Star Trek in like what was that, 69, 70? I think I was like six, that was six, it was sixty. That would have been 66, 67. Yeah, I think I was I was one. So, um, and, and first of all, we we should 
before you before you go in the future, before we do any Star Trek references or Galactica or Stargate or any of those other sci-fi dramas, Babylon Five, Hama Hama, yeah. we have to be on the same page, uh, you know, knowledge-wise, so that I can keep up with you. But Everybody not- remembers that episode where Spock has a goatee, and they've they've switched over to the to the evil. I universe. never watched it, dude. I, I hated the first Star Trek. The only thing I liked was Captain Kirk because he used to just beat the shit out of people. And it, that was the best part, right? Ready, fire, aim. And that was the best part of that, right? Whereas, you know, Picard was more, and, and I won't make this ethereal, but Picard was more, you know, I'm going to talk you to death. And and yeah, yeah. that was, a, that was a, I never watched it. I, I never watched the whole season. Um, but I, I actually was following along with you because you were right. It's not, it's the conquest is not the hard part. It's It's actually owning it. Because once you're on the train, you got to, you have to patrol it, defend it. We learned that the hard way in Iraq and Afghanistan, right? 110,000 boots on the ground. And then we had to have 140,000 contractors. Then that was just to maybe hold some cities, kind of. Exactly. Right. It was strategic points. And you're right. It's the same thing happening here, right? Those strategic points are going to fail. And the thing that's crumbling under their feet, which they haven't realized yet, is that no matter what they do, they've lost conf- They've lost the confidence of the public. There's only a very small population in the uh, in the United States that actually buys into the narratives, and that's the that's the stay-at-home moms, the stay-at-home grandmothers, the stay-at-home grandfathers that they're dialed into CNN all day long. Everybody else, they don't care. They they don't even. If they could, if they could ignore the federal government and go about their day and not have to deal with any of it, they would. And that's a that's a powerful shift from where we were in two thousand and one. I've heard sociologists say that fifteen percent is critical mass in terms of starting a movement or taking action or doing things. We have to remember to look on the bright side. We don't have fifteen percent. We have more like seventy-five to eighty-five percent. I mean, when push comes to shove and you start asking people, even fairly liberal people, do you really want your kids not knowing which gender they belong to? Do you really want these people twerking at your six-year-olds in, in first grade? You know, I think I think it's only the most extreme would, would follow along with that mentality. Yeah. And, and uh, I mean, you know, I've got just, just in my office, I've had people, I had a, I had a, you know, young mother with, with a bunch of kids there and she's sitting there and she started talking about the cities and she's like, I'm so glad we don't live in a city because things are going to get worse there. They'll eventually work their ways out, but, and, and get to us and we need to be ready. But here's a funny but, thing with that. Because but just my, that she's even thinking about like that. Yeah. 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 That, that was where I was going to go because, you know, that's the first part of it, right? The second part of it is, so one of my kids lives in the hood. I mean, in the hood, right? Lives right next door to gang members. And you know what's funny about that is that um, a couple of months ago, and maybe it was last fall. I'm old, so I can't remember time. Um, <laughs> I was literally outside and standing standing outside, and they were across the fence. And he came over. One of the neighbors came over the fence, and we were we were talking back and forth. And my my kid has made uh, friends with the neighbors, right? And they're very um like you know they said um hey we're, we're both sick can uh you know we're both sick so we're not gonna mow the lawn so he sent his sons over to mow the lawn 
And what was, so we were, anyway, we we're talking to, uh, just back and forth and he knew, he knew I was a military. And he said, what do you think of what's going on? I said, it's going to go kinetic. And he said, I agree. This is going to, this is going to go to blows. He goes, but I can tell you where everybody on my side is going to land. And that's on the side of the constitution. And I was floored. I didn't, you know, your mouth's open and you have that Pavlovian look on your face. Like, wait, what? Literally (laughs) that look was on my face. And he said, really? He goes, we might, we might be doing um, certain, um, I can't remember how he said it, but basically what he was saying is we might be doing illicit activities, but we still love this country and we want our way of life to survive. We don't want to live on this control grid. And it was just, it was just one of the, I think there's a bigger part of the population than you realize that's not saying it out loud. Of course. That is literally in this place of, we're just waiting for it to happen. I mean, I can't tell you how many people just last week said, can we get on with this shit already? I'm just sick of waiting. Let's get on with it. Let's get it over with. And that's why I say it's going to be one pissed off Marine that starts all of this. And, well, and I would say a HUA or I'd say, no, it wouldn't be a Coastie. It wouldn't be Navy. It's definitely going to be a Marine. It wouldn't be Air Force because they're too busy thinking. But, um, you know, Marines are going to be, yeah, I think, and I'm just, I'm using my brother as an example. You know, he would have just, he would have already been in people's faces. And, and I'm already starting to see that. And I think that's where the, that's where their narrative has fallen apart. Because the, if the second or third order effects from your primary messaging turns into vitriol, you've lost. And there's so much resentment right now. I mean, even even my 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 sister, who is she's died in the wall, believes in the vax. Like we had mm-hmm. words over it just this last weekend. And I, I'm convinced that you know there's something in the shot that makes people stupid. Because she couldn't hear anything. She literally had to stop talking because she could not hear anything I was saying to her and didn't want to. And there's 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 a portion of the population that's right there. But then there's this other portion of the population that are seeing their friends get myocarditis. They're having all these health issues mm-hmm. and they're not buying the long haul COVID shit anymore. Right. They're just they're done with that narrative. And that to me is the other side of the fence where. We're going to see some some part of the dam break is and they're they're already starting to release information like you and i had that conversation about nicotine and how nicotine the nicotine receptors in your body will refocus the spike protein and the well they, they were they released the spike protein in favor of nicotine um being you know uh, connecting with them so that's that's I'm not sure what you meant with a statement. They're they're rejecting the long COVID narrative. What do you mean? So when the initial so in 20 so started 21, when the initial issues with the vac started to show up, the first thing that doctors were saying was this is this is long haul COVID, whatever the fuck that is. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people bought into it. It was a narrative that a lot of people bought into it that. COVID can hang around for a long time. It's in your system. Hama hama, right? All these different excuses. Well, now they're seeing people get boosted and then immediately have issues. Mm-hmm. And they're starting to question, why is this happening? If this is supposedly long haul COVID, the vaccine should should solve this problem. 
And, you know, I, I, uh, I've referred a lot of people to Ed Dowd's data because his actuarial data is stunning to say the least, but it shows the bigger pattern of injuries related to vaccines that are just now bubbling to the surface. And that's potentially why they're rushing is they know that there's a certain point where that's going to hit critical mass and they'll lose control. I, I'm spitballing, but suffice it to say, if I flip the tables around and I was looking at this from their perspective and I saw all this floodgates of, of information coming from around the planet of all these people that have died, but more important, this actuarial, actuarial data that's showing that there's massive injuries, I would be moving quickly too. Because what's the thing they need to do the most? They need to shut down the narratives. That's what they need to do. That's why they're they're pushing this this um, this Trump uh, indictment. That's why they're pushing some of the legislation. That's why they're they're seeing more false flags in D.C. Because they need to sh they need a catalyst to shut down the narrative, and I think that's going to work against them too. I, I, call me crazy. No. I don't have a Star Trek reference for that, by the way. Okay. But I, I will say two things. First, um, I do increasingly believe that neurotoxins, the type you find with snake venom, are at the heart of what's driving a lot of the pathology here. It makes perfect sense. We were told this was a uh, virus released from a, uh, a, a derivative of a bat virus, right? A derivative of a bat virus that somehow got manipulated and out into the public. Um, I don't think that makes any sense. But the neurologic effects, and you're correct. I mean, I, you were being facetious, but I believe you are actually correct. People's neurologic function uh, in a number of different realms are affected by this disease. I don't really differentiate much between the disease itself, COVID proper, um, and the vaccines. I think they are directly related. I think they are both toxic to whatever degree. And I think the people driving this have doubled down on that. The good news is, whereas you had initial vaccines to the tune of about 55% of the population, you only have about 5% of the population going for, you know, multiple vaccines. It's, it's really diminished a great deal. And that's why, you know, even the pharmaceutical companies have said, well, you don't have to do all of them, but we'd like you to do one more. You know, they're, they're, they're backpedaling, so to speak. Oh, Mike, absolutely. They've got to double down. My concern is what's over the next horizon. You know, I think next summer we're going to see the next, uh, you know, the next new form of pathology. I don't know if it's going to come in the same form, uh, slightly modified, or if it'll be something completely different. That's what I don't know. There are people who know that, I'm sure. I don't know about that, Dave. Um, I, I, this is where I'll disagree with you because this, if... So Ukraine's exposed a bunch of different um, aspects of this fight that I think have disrupted the, the the plans that they had. Because if we, if you look back at, at at twenty and twenty-one, the plan was to keep the variant showing up until all the control mechanisms and the COVID passports were all interlinked. Now the WHO just interlinked climate change and health by putting um, John Kerry's daughter uh, as, as the, the climate or health director or whatever she is, they're trying to, at the, at the global level, they're trying to link all of these things together to re recapture that control grid. 
because their plans were disrupted when Omicron fell apart. Again, alternative media was the catalyst for that. The other part of that that I think is is disrupted is the fact that the all of the biolabs, 326 biolabs across the planet, have all been exposed. In certain countries, those biolabs were shut down by the population, not by the U.S. And when they went into Chernobyl, again, he sent an entire brigade to Chernobyl. You have to ask, what the fuck was on the ground there that you have to send a brigade in there to deal with? That's a that that was obviously a black site that was being exploited for something that was highly dangerous and a high value target for them. And that was the first thing that they they disrupted was the labs there. Then they disrupted the labs around the planet. And I can't help but think that part of that was disrupted so they and and brought to light so it would disrupt operations that they had planned in the future. Now, the piece I can't sort out here is what China is playing this, right? Because China was, they were deeply involved in Wuhan. They were deeply involved in gain of function. They were deeply involved in committing scientists to do gain of function. So you have to ask the question, what's their involvement in the other 300 and some labs that are outside of Ukraine? And I would venture a guess that there's probably four or five labs that we don't know about that could potentially release something that's even more deadly. You're right. But I don't think it's going to be planned. I think it's going to be very unplanned. Well, let me just say this, and I apologize. I'm going to have to wind down here pretty soon. But uh, um, the, the here's my concern. The, these people are not short-term planners. I can tell you from things I've heard uh, from mastermind groups, from friends of mine, um, the, the next pandemic all of the groundwork, all of the research, that was all done a long time ago. If you if you go back, you can see references to you know, stuff that's been developed that we're learning about now. You can look at references from literally 10 or 20 years ago. We're behind the power curve. We're, we are behind. So I'm not thinking the fact that, you know, Ukraine has happened and these labs have wrapped up. That That, that may affect things much further down the road, I have no doubt. But don't think that there aren't things waiting in the wings for us and that there aren't uh, aspects of this that they didn't figure out that they've already made adjustments for. Well, that so, I agree with that. I wholeheartedly agree with. But I don't I don't I, I look back 15, 10 or 15 years ago. Right. And failure back then was just a readjustment of long term plan. And that's how I see it is that some of this was a failure that's a readjustment of long-term plan, not necessarily uh, a, a tectonic shift. But I, I can't help but think that there's still going to be some disruption to the plan that's going to throw it way off. Because the variable here is the population. As the population throws off more and more of the control measures, and, and, and I'm using the case of just look at what happened to, look at Disney right now. Disney was a cultural icon in this country for f almost 70 years. Ghost town. Now. It is a ghost town. And more importantly, all of their revenue share is rapidly evaporating because people are, they're banned, they're abandoning Disney TV. They're banning Disney online. They've abandoned the parks. They're abandoning any Disney movies. And all of that's hitting their bottom line mm -hmm. like a freight train. 
that that's what I'm talking about. I think that that the bigger picture is when pe as more and more people shy away from the control mechanisms, it doesn't matter what they what they release on us, right? You're going to see more isolated pockets of people that are working together. And again, we we've talked we've circled around this the whole conversation. Unity is going to be the piece that they they need to prevent the most more than anything else and i don't think they're going to be able to stop that well divide and divide and conquer is the oldest strategy and they've worked on that you know uh day and night in in multiple ways right dividing whether it's racially uh whether it's social strata whether it's uh you know um education you name it they work on it so we certainly have an abundance of things to talk about in the future along these lines. And what, what I want to go back to just briefly, and I apologize, I'm going to have to sign off here shortly, is there is a plan. And these people have, these people do nothing without planning in the long term. And they do make minor adjustments for, you know, bumps in the road. But if you look at COVID, COVID was about 80 percent successful for them in terms of population control, compliance, people wearing masks everywhere, all of that, shutting down schools. Now, they understand they're not going to get the same response, but by making by making it more lethal with the next batch of whatever we're facing, they'll they'll snap a lot of people uh, back into line, so to speak. And uh, so I do expect that. I don't disagree with that, Dave. I, I I don't disagree with that at all. I think that's gonna that that's probably their plan to to, to get people to uh, um, accept some kind of martial law. Any any last words for the uh, for the channel uh, before you go? Well, first of all, as always, I appreciate the opportunity to uh, present ideas here. Um, we always have good discussions. I think I think uh, you know we've got to. We've got to drill down on a couple aspects of this, how to organize, what can we do in, in terms of tangible effort, um, what's the best way to be successful without being kinetic. Those are all important things. And uh, But like I said, they've got a plan in place. We're going to have lots to talk about and uh, you know, look forward to the next conversation. Thanks, brother. Always a pleasure to have you. Appreciate you jumping on and, uh, and uh, being a part of the show today. Appreciate it. All right. Stay safe. I'll talk to you later. Take care. All right, folks. So, um, again, lively discussion. I want to answer a question that uh, that Deegan had. So, uh, how much of these aban uh, abandonments are a result of disposable income? I would say probably 30% is probably a direct result of disposable income or lack thereof. Uh, I think uh, there's a bigger aspect to it. I think probably 50 or 60% is um, people that were patrons of Disneyland and, and staunch supporters of Disney that are now turned off because of the grooming and, and the, um, the, uh, the trans support, as well as, you know, people are just sick of seeing the whole gay lesbian card played in every single movie, every story being slanted towards some kind of diversity or some kind of um, some kind of a uh, trans relationship. I mean, even The Last of Us was a, you know, the, the two episodes of The Summer of Love with two gay guys, which turned every turned a bunch of people off and, and their viewership dropped, I think, by 28 percent because of one episode. People are tired of the narrative. 
I think that's that's an overwhelming piece of the bigger part of Disney. But Disney's a byproduct of the silent majority saying we've had enough. And Bud Light, we've had enough. And that's what you're seeing. And I think there's going to be more of that. Because as people get more and more disenfranchised, some of these icons in our society are going to go by the wayside. And they're going to go by the wayside because the market's going to speak and say, we've had enough. We don't want any more of this. And that's how I see this developing. Um, and, you know, Lieutenant Colonel Conrad and I can uh, disagree um, about the uh, the long-term plan. I, th I, you know, his point's valid. I think he's he's got um, a good feel for the long-term. And, you know, what you saw there was a, is a microcosm of the conversations that we have um, quite often where we, we deep dive on specific topics. We didn't, we didn't dive into the nicotine versus spike protein conversation. Um, he's a lot more well-read in that than I am, but that's another aspect. But the, the part that I think is, um, is important for all of us is the fact that we may see uh, another pandemic this fall. They're certainly trying to resurrect COVID for the summertime and the fall. And they're certainly trying to resurrect the fear, but I, I don't think that's going to happen either. Um, so long-term planning or not, I think there's some there's some definitive um, differences on both sides that I think could interdict their plans. I, I This is not going to 24. I just don't get a sense this is going into 24. But you know, I've been wrong about other times. So, you know, timing on other aspects, it could be, I could be off on this and we could go into 24, but they have to bring this to closure before the 24 election. They have to consolidate power before the 24 election. They have to consolidate the narrative of, before the 24 election because they have to put on a good show when they consolidate power. And I just don't, I don't see them being able to do that in 24 once the heat of the election um, cycle starts and get away from all the swing states or compromise and everything else. The point is, from a narrative perspective, they have to have the narrative by January in order to sell the public on the fact that there's the, so the next regime that's installed is legitimate. And I just don't see that happening. So anyway. I've been wrong about timing because I was convinced June, July was going to be, we were going to see some kinetic. We saw disclosures, but it's only half the pie. And I think those two go hand in hand along with um, public support and, and public unity. It's going to be, a, there's got to be a catalyst event and who knows, maybe they were successful in preventing a catalyst event from occurring that would unite the public, but it's hard to say. Anyway, um, I appreciate everybody bearing with me when we first start this. It was it was wonky getting started today. Issues with camera, issues with the uh, the stream, but uh, we'll do this again next week. I'm going to try and do it again um, on Wednesday of next week. Uh, I like this format a lot better, by the way, because this format is uh, it's easier to have a, a dialogue with uh, with folks in the audience and then with uh, folks I bring on. I'm going to try and get Alex Craner to jump on uh, one of these live live stream so he can answer questions so but what you saw tonight and the dialogue that you saw is the fog of war and th this is this is very common when you're planning operations um 
in the military, right? You have partial information and you're trying to assess that partial information and determine the enemy's order of battle. And it, Dave's point was spot on. Flip the table around 180 and think from what the enemy's perspective would be right now. So anyway, just, just some food for thought for moving forward. But with that, um, I want to remind everybody, don't be scared. Nothing to be scared of. There's more of us than them. And we do have the cultural narrative on our side as well as the moral high ground. And God always wins. Remember that. When things look dire, and they'll probably get more dire over the next several weeks, don't get discouraged. Get resolved. And get your head in the fight and stay in the fight. And find like-minded people in your area. They exist. They're around. And you'll find them at the right time. So keep that in mind moving forward. We're about to see things get crazier and crazier and crazier. So don't give up on that. Anyway, God bless everyone. Appreciate you jumping on. One team, one fight.